This is Dolphin Financial Radio, a show about planning your retirement. When you are young, financial decisions are easy. You aren't worried too much about the future, and you know you have plenty of time on your side. However, as you get older, the financial decisions get more difficult. Eventually, you reach the age where you face decisions about employment, home buying, raising a family, and college planning. Your financial success is often determined by how you handle the many curveballs thrown your way and by how much you are saving for retirement. Before you know it, you are within 10 years, five years, and then one year of retiring. At this point, you'll be facing new and different financial challenges. You'll worry if you have enough money to last through retirement. You'll be concerned about healthcare and longevity. You'll want to make sure your retirement is everything you always dreamed it would be. These are the retirement challenges that we will address each week on this show. Regardless of how far you are from retirement, it's time to listen in as we begin another episode of Dolphin Financial Radio. Hello and welcome to another Dolphin Financial Radio with me, Dan Wendell, owner of the Dolphin Financial Group in sunny Clearwater, Florida. Welcome everyone. We're going to have a great show today alongside our co-host, Tony Shore, who's going to join me today in talking about short-term investing. What does it mean? What are the options? Should you do it? And we're going to start the show off by asking Tony what his definition of short term is. But before we do, Tony, how are you? It's good to see you again. Uh, Great to see you. Uh, Awesome. Uh, Great to see you, Dan. I know that you've been so busy and just dealing with uh, so many issues, but yet your drive to educate our community and work with them and their finances uh, is strong and you've been meeting with folks and I think that's great. But thanks for having me on the show. I love doing it each week. We usually try to have fun and I know you always bring interesting topics to the table. I'm sure this week will be no different, but I've been great. How about you? What's going on over there this week for you? Uh, well, I am uh, meeting with clients as usual um, yep. and keeping busy. I am in the thick of soccer season, so that's keeping oh, me yeah. busy as well. Kids. You know, my, my oldest son is uh, a Boy Scout now, as you know, and he's been doing camping. And most recently, he did a shotgun camp. <laughs> and it's not it's not like a quarterback camp. It's actual uh, rifles. Actually, it's rifles. He did. He'll, he'll correct me. So he's uh, learning how to shoot. So that's that's exciting. What was not exciting for him, though, is all the pre-work, the homework he had to do and reading the laws and, and the, learning the parts and doing all the, well, I just want to shoot, you know, he didn't want to do the homework leading up to it. But of course, who gets roped into that, daddy? So I've been keeping busy, but it's been great. Yeah, well, good. I know it's good to keep busy. Uh, keeps you out of trouble, Dan. <laughs> I know how you get, uh, you know, idle hands. That's right. What do they What do they say? Idle hands are the devil's. The work of the devil, you know, um, devil's workshop, you yeah. know, your son, it was, a uh, is a Eagle scout. So yes, he I'm is. working my way towards you. So I'm going to start leaning on you pretty soon here as my son gets older. Um, you might need to sign off on some merit badges. Sure. <laughs> Adam will sign off on your merit badges as a, as an Eagle scout and a current, he, he keeps his membership in good standing. So nice. uh, you can maintain your membership in, in the Boy Scouts um, and uh, continue to be you know recognized as a Boy Scout. And that way, if he ever wants to be a, an official leader, something like that. So, yeah, he's, he was very active in it and just uh, 
keep encouraging your kids, keep them involved, and hopefully they will uh, like it and continue. Nice. And I know that I was looking at some of these merit badges, and one of them is personal finance. So I'm thinking oh. I might take over and start signing off on it, but I just imagine myself like making that a lot harder than it needs to be. <laughs> <laughs> You'll overthink it, Dan. You'll get into the weeds with these poor kids. Right, right. <laughs> Let's review FICA scores again, again. No. You know, uh, but you anyway. have to understand the bond market as it right. relates to interest rates. <laughs> right. It's like, no, that's not personal finance, Dan, for a, I know. For a teenager. I know. But, um, but yeah, I mean, personal finance is one of the merit badges uh, that Adam got uh, going toward, counting toward his Eagle Scout. So it is funny that you picked up on that right away. Hey, there's a personal finance badge. That's right. I, of course, I'm trying to do my part. Yeah. Now, when I was thinking about today's show, by the way, I was looking at past shows. We had some pretty funny ones. It's time for us to do a serious one here. But this is this is interesting um, because I was thinking I have never talked about this with you before directly. And what's what, what, what the interesting part about that is, is I get questions about this almost every time I work with somebody. I yeah. get what do I do with my short-term money? So what do you I'm mean go, short-term money? Exactly. Well, what does that mean? I'm going to ask you what short-term is. I know you don't even buy green bananas. Well, I'm sure short-term means different things to different people when it comes to finances, but I would say short-term is something that at any given time I could access it to pay for something. Like if my furnace goes out, I need to have short-term money uh, that I can access to use to pay for things. Is that what you're talking about? Kind of. And this is there's a difference between a short-term investment horizon and liquidity. And what you just described oh, I'm is talking liquidity, about liquidity, which is one and they go together. So you can't talk about one without the other. Okay. And so when you're talking about short-term. I That's um, wait, wait, I got it. Short-term is when I'm only one year from retirement, but I still want to keep my money growing. Uh, but I don't want to have it locked in. I can't look, I can't use the market with the 30 year return principle, which is, you know, right, Hey, right. if you have 30, 20 or 30 years to leave money in the market, you're great. What if you only have a year? Is that what you're talking about? Yes, yes, exactly. And so how long that, is it a year? Is it two years? I'd is say it five a year years? or two. Right. And so it's different for everybody because again, everyone's got different time horizons and everyone's got different needs in the short or long term. So you're right. The typical investor is, all right, we're going to invest in the stock market because that's the place to be over the past 150 years. The market's done X, Y, Z. Well, you know, that's really great, all well and great, but who's going to pay the bills next month? So short term, we can definitely agree is less than a year. I like to push it to less than five years. And this is where it's an investment philosophy. Again, uh, I like to look at things in, um, different stages of people's lives. And since I deal with retirement, I think people are new, to, especially those that are new to retirement, they run into some issues early in retirement. I'm talking right away that they weren't expecting, they're not used to. And so having some money that's liquid, and what I mean by liquidity is you can easily get at it without any penalties or risk of loss. That um, that liquidity pool is utterly important and more so in retirement early on. So, but in general, when it talks, when I, why I, uh, the question I normally get is, Hey, Dan, I have this $30,000 sitting in my checking account making zero. 
um, what should I do with that $30,000? What should I do with it? And, and there are a lot of people that come to me with that question. Now, a lot of, most of them are my clients, obviously. Um, some people ask me about it, um, that aren't my clients. Hey, well, you know, what do I do with some short, what are you investing in short term? And it's really, I can't answer it because I don't know enough about them. But in general, my philosophy is you don't want to invest. So short-term investing is kind of a misnomer. Um, You have to look more about liquidity and also um, what your goals are. And so it's a a loaded question. What should I do with the money? I'm going to need a lot more information from you. But I want to talk specifically about this scenario. What what advisors, uh, many advisors do wrong when it comes to this and what people are doing wrong, and then actually give some uh, actual options. Like, what can you do with that money? At the end of the show, I want to give some specific, not recommendations, but specific options. We'll talk about those. So let me go back and talk quickly about liquidity. Why do you need it? Liquidity, meaning you need access to it in the short term. If you said, Dan, I need $5,000 because my air conditioning broke, that's a immediate need, right? You, your air conditioning breaking in Florida is an emergency, right? So, right. Um, and the person fixing the AC or replacing the unit is not going to say, all right, yeah, um, I'll, I'll pay me in a couple of years. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. You're good for it. Your credit's good here. Now, that's not how it works. You got to pay, right? So you need that money right away. So you need liquidity in the short term to deal with emergencies like that. And it's a lot easier to deal with an emergency if you have liquid cash. Um, you're more likely going to need it early in retirement because you're going to be experiencing new things. Plus you're going to want to do things that you'd normally wouldn't do. So normally you wouldn't budget for Like for instance, Tony, a lot of my clients, when they retire, they like to go travel right away. Now, um, when they get their pension, if they get it, or if they set up an income plan, they're not going to necessarily have a lump sum to pay for the cruise right away. They might, you know, they might set up a monthly income of $4,000, but, or, you know, you can't call up Social Security and say, hey, can you can you give me six months in advance? I want to pay for the cruise. So you need to have that liquid cash available for those things. And then finally, and perhaps least, um, you know, people don't think about it, but it's probably the most important is that you need that peace of mind. And having money in cash oftentimes is underrated. And the the what's underrated about it is the mental, yeah. or the, the peace you get knowing that whatever life might throw your way, you're going to be able to handle it in the short term because you have that cash ready. There you go. Boom. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Knowing that you have cash ready uh, and and liquid or, or some type of funds available to cover things, uh, yeah, I think that's the biggest point of it all is the psychological impact, uh, the stress relief. You, you don't have to worry about it. It's one less thing to worry about. And people do worry about money all the time. That's one of the biggest causes of stress of divorce, right? Right. It is. Um, certainly is. But here's the funny part, Tony, on the flip side of that is when I tell someone, and this happens quite often, you know, they start working with me, they hire me to be their financial planner. We come up with an income plan. We, we, we start investing their money with the investment plan. And then they, I say, all right, you're going to leave this, you know, $30,000 over here in checking savings. And they start to give me the look like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, I don't, I don't feel comfortable with that. Believe it or not, Tony, people say this, uh, it's wow. not making anything. Uh, I wanted to make something. There. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so even though the peace of mind, they don't value the peace of mind as much as they value that extra percentage point they can get from that money, which is a very strange 
situation. But it's not strange because it happens all the time, and people do think that way. They want they always, growth, but in exchange growth. for growth, you have to accept more risk too. So they could end up with less. Right. There's always a trade-off. So we'll yeah. get into some specifics late in later in the show, but you know, it's it's important that they understand that you can get growth, but there are trade-offs. You can't, you know, you can't have your cake and eat it too. The 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 banks right now, if you put your money in checking, aren't paying four percent. They just they just aren't, and they aren't going to be paying that anytime soon on checking, right? So you have to trade trade off. And so when people think about what they have invested and what they have in money, they oftentimes say, "Oh, I got you know, I have I have five hundred thousand dollars." Now, how much of does that? How much of that is liquid? And that's where people say, "Well, what does that mean?" You know, I don't invest in. What does that mean? You know. I'll tell you what's not liquid, Tony. Typically, real estate. So you might have equity in your home or or um, you might have a second home that you invested in that you just paid $100,000 for for this rental property. That's not liquid money. You can't just get the 100000 You have to sell that property to get it back, right? So that's an issue. Hedge funds, you know, people sometimes invest in those. You can't just, a lot of times, you're investing in private equity or private deals that, you know, hey, um, you, you, you can't just sell it on the stock market. You have to wait for the company to go public. So yeah. there's some illiquidity there. Um, what's been, um, you know, how about a very prime example, Tony? Um, if you lend your brother um, 50, 50 bucks, he says, I'll pay you back. Is that liquid? Probably not. <laughs> right? Like how long is it no. going to take for you to get that back? No, you can't you can't go to the publics and say, hey, uh, my brother owes me 50 uh, here. Let me just get it from him. No, he, he might not pay you back for a year. Right. Or he may never pay you back. Right. So that's, you know, when you lend money directly, that is not liquid. Wait, I have Ed, a lot of, Ed still owes you that money. That right. Totally. Bucks. Right. That is, but it's a write off. That's a that's a write off <laughs> for me. Um, you know, um, I have a lot of clients. Uh, surprisingly, I have, several of my clients um, are from Mississippi and Kentucky and uh, they own timber like timber rights and one owns um, mining rights. So um, that's not liquid, right? Because in order to get that money, you actually have to sell the trees, cut the trees, get the money. So, you know, you might own assets, but they're not liquid. Uh, another very common one, and one I, I'll tell a story about in a moment, uh, annuities. So a lot of people use annuities for income purposes, but sometimes um, they don't realize that these aren't necessarily 100% liquid. I mean, you can't get all your money back Unless there's, you know, somebody can, but a lot of times there's some sort of surrender penalties. So when I, when, when you pay a fee or if you pay a surrender charge, or if you have to wait so long to get your money, I don't consider it liquid. Okay. Um, one of the biggest assets that, um, individuals have, um, is their house, but also, um, private business owners, they own their business. Like me, I own a business. Is it worth something? Yes. How is it worth something? Well, I'd have to sell it, right? So I can't just say, oh, my business is worth $20 million. Uh, it's not, unless I sell it for that. And if you do want to buy it, Tony, I'll give you half price. Uh, $10 million, it's yours. Um, but in reality, um, you know, not everything is liquid. And I think people understand, once you start talking about that, they say, oh, okay, yeah, I get it now. And so when they say liquid, I'm looking at things that you can get me money right away. Now, here's where a lot of advisors mess up. And I say mess up because, you know, I, <laughs> what I see a lot of advisors doing with people is saying, 
We need to get that money working for you. That's the term. We need to get it working. We need to get it invested. And I don't like that. I'll have um, clients come up to me and say, like I said, Tony earlier, um, hey, uh, I don't feel comfortable having $50,000 in my checking account, savings account. Um, So how much is too much to have liquid? Because there's this connotation that because it's liquid, you can't actually generate any income from it. You can't generate interest on it. And I think you would agree with that, right? Yep. I would totally agree. So the reason why people say that you can't make any interest on liquid assets is because they're thinking liquid means cash under the pillow or at the bank. You could say stocks are liquid, right? Um, A lot of times and bonds, because sometimes you could sell these things in three days, right? You, You sell it. And then three days later, the money's in your account. That's fairly liquid, right? Mm-hmm. You can get at it in three days, but you like you mentioned right off the bat, that means you might you don't know what you're gonna sell for. You can actually sell for a loss. So you have to be careful about liquidity when it comes to the market because you don't want to run the risk of needing money at a certain point right. and having to sell yeah. at a it's loss. It's not like it's sitting it. in a checking or a savings account or a CD that you can just cash out. Uh, but you know, where you pretty much have a good idea of your principles going to be protected, but you know, there aren't going to be the gains. If you want to, you can't, it's hard. You have to sacrifice one or the other, typically liquidity or growth, right? Exactly. So let me tell you a quick story about a, um, a woman that came to me and she, um, she was describing her situation and she has a financial person already, but she wanted a second opinion. And, um, she said, here's my plan. And she had this income plan mapped out and her income was going to start in two years. And as long as she didn't touch anything and, and let it work, she was going to turn on income in two years. And she had some annuities and she had a small stock portfolio and she had some cash. And the problem for her was she had an emergency. Her daughter had an issue and she moved back in with mom and granddaughter. So she went from a single woman living by herself with an income plan to now being mom again with a grandchild in the house and money was became tight. It was a financial crisis. She went through her savings, her short-term cash, very quickly. And now she was facing, what do I do? I don't have enough liquidity to get through the next year to then turn my income on. And this is the problem. What happened was when she designed the income plan, or she didn't design, when the previous financial person designed the income plan, they didn't factor in an emergency fund. They had planned that she everything was going to go just the way it is, and she wasn't going to run into any issues. Not only did she have her, her daughter and granddaughter move in with her, she also lost her job. And so it's a it's a it's quite a, a, a big change for her. But you have to think about these things because now she's saying to me, I want out of this. I want I want that income early, but she's not liquid. It's not a liquid asset. So she's struggling. What do I do? What do I do? And I'm I, I don't say I told you, know, I, I wasn't there, but I'm saying to myself, how did you get here? And that's really not helpful to her because she's like, well, it's too late now. What do I do? So we're trying to figure it out. But that's the problem I see a lot is that people don't have enough liquidity and they don't realize they don't have enough until it's too late. So you always want to be thinking about this. 
But eventually I get to the point where someone says, okay, I got everything here. I have $50,000 in cash. What do I do now? I need this liquid because I, you never know what's going to come up. They, they, once you can get people to understand that, you never know what's going to come up. You might have a needy family member. You might have some sort of um, medical expense that you didn't plan for. You might have a house expense you didn't plan for. What do you do with that money? Do you invest it in the stock market or the bond market? You can, but typically I say no, especially if you need it for less than three years. Even five years is pushing it because look what happened if you invested it in September of 2018 and then October was the worst month we had in quite a while and then you needed the money, you would panic, right? That's what people do. So you you know, you know got to do something differently than the market. Now, I'm not saying the market's bad, but for short term, it's not the best place. Do you leave it in savings? What kind of interest do you get on your savings account now, Tony? Do you have any idea? You on my savings account? Yeah, yeah. I, I get I basically zero. I mean, it's like maybe 0. 0.02 or I don't know what it is, but it's not. They're not, they're not paying, they're not charging you for a savings account, are they? No. no. <laughs> well, in fact, they do. A lot of times, if you don't maintain a yeah, certain balance or do so true. many transactions, you get fees. That's actually true. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, a little, so forget about getting interest. You're just worried about avoiding getting fees. I know. It's so, so sad. We've really gone downhill. I remember in the early 80s when I had a savings account as a kid, I made interest. There you go. There you go. And so, when, yeah, when you're you calling someone in their 30s a kid in the 80s? What? <laughs> <laughs> I was kidding. not in my 30s in the, in the 80s, as far as you know. <laughs> I was riding my bike around everywhere. Okay, <laughs> so um, let's talk about some actual short-term options. What, are, what, what can people do? So, like, you, you don't want to necessarily leave it in the bank, but you can. Um, some of the credit unions have pretty good deals. You have to look around. Um, they'll pay more than the traditional bank. Online banks are a prime example of this. Um, they may not be credit unions, but they're an online bank. And because they don't have those brick and mortar buildings and all those people that they have to staff and pay for the real estate, they can theoretically have extra money to give to their clientele. So you'll see that the online banks tend to pay a higher interest rate than the non than the tr traditional brick and mortar banks. And there's obvious reasons for that, but people sometimes, well, I don't want to bank online. Well, I'm beyond that point. Everything's online now, so I don't see a problem with it. So it's worth looking. Now, that doesn't mean to get rid of your traditional bank because you, it's sometimes nice to have that relationship to go in there, but it might be worth looking at the online banks to get that little extra percentage. Another short-term option that people used to use all the time but are falling out of grace is CDs. I still yeah. recommend CDs for people. Now, the, you have to be careful when you look at CDs because they're all different timelines. You can get a three-month, six-month, one-year, five-year. So you want to you um, look at the different timelines and see what the interest rates are. The good thing about a lot of times about CDs is that if you decide, hey, you know, I need my money back, you can get it back. You just, there's no, you don't pay to get it back. You just forego the interest. You might pay back the interest. So you're not losing principal. And that's a key. So you have to look at that to yeah, make sure, yeah. hey, if I have to leave this early, and so that's not a really, that's actually a really good spot to go with some, some short-term investing is a CD because you don't run the risk of losing principal. You just might forego the interest in case there's an emergency, but a lot of people, that's okay with them. They don't mind that. Um, you can go bond route, actually buy bonds, short-term bonds, and they're making, now there's some new products out there that are bonds that you can buy and sell that have an end date, but you can also sell and buy in, the, in, in between. There is some risk there. You have to know what you're doing. 
And, you know, a lot of times people say, hey, can you give me, build me a bond portfolio? And I can, and I can help design that and invest it for them. But when you start, when I start doing that, I start charging a fee to do that. So then you have to say, all right, well, what is your fee? And then how much am I going to make? And is it worth it? So it sometimes it's, you got to look, hey, even though I, I'm hurting myself by saying this, my fee sometimes makes buying bonds not as attractive as a CD. So, you know, it's, is it worth it? So you have to look at fees associated with that too, just as a, a, a word of advice. And, you know, um, but there's some other things going on that people can do. Instead of going the stock market route, now you could, you could, but I'm, I'm really, when short-term investing was saying less than five years, especially less than three, I've, I have a couple of clients using peer-to-peer lending. Have you heard this? Have you heard about these things, Tony? Peer-to-peer lending? No. Yeah. Yeah. You can actually go, um, online and loan 25 bucks to someone and you could you could do that for like 50 people online and there's some companies that actually coordinate this and you um you can buy you can invest into different programs of different people with ideas and spread it out and they charge interest and now a lot of times the people can default on it so you would lose your money but uh, other times they pay the interest and you get much more than you would at the bank so <clears throat> what are people getting on that? Um, I don't know because um, I'm, I'm not actually overseeing it, but I do have clients telling me, hey, I, I'm getting 8% on average. You know, yeah, I lose some, but I also hit some big ones. So on average, I'm getting 8%, which is great, you know, but there's some risks associated with that. So be careful about it. That's not a risk-free way for short-term investing. But I want to take a couple of outside the box before we wrap up. And then I want to give you my big lesson on this, Tony. Okay. Don't let me forget to give you the big lesson. Um, outside the box, um, I know some people that actually buy, uh, open up credit cards and get those rewards. I was just on a flight to New York and um, Frontier Airlines was offering some sort of, if you buy this, we'll give you this much money and you spend this much. And so if you do the math, you say, hey, if I spend a couple thousand this next six months on a credit card, which is pretty easy to do nowadays, um, and I pay it off, this company is going to give me the credit card company is going to give me a couple hundred dollars as a bonus or as a reward. Mm-hmm. There's some there's some good way to invest, right? I mean, <laughs> if you think about it, <laughs> I, I right? never thought of it that way. Are people actually if, if, doing that? Yeah, oh, of course, I do it. I think it's a great idea if you can manage it. You have to say to yourself, "Can I be sure that I'm going to pay this off and not get hit with a huge interest payment?" Yeah, that's and if you're disciplined thing. and say, "I have this," if you have twenty thousand sitting in cash. You don't know what to do with it, and you can spend five thousand of it on a credit card and get a um, you know five hundred dollars back. You know that's a ten percent return. Hey, take it right, right, and then and then drop the card after a year so you don't pay the fee, right? So you you know, it's why not? You have to be disciplined. Just I'm just talking outside the box here. Um, I would strongly suggest people invest in an HSA because yes, it's not necessarily liquid unless you have health. Expenses, but we all have health care oh, expenses. Everybody, right? Yeah, everybody. Especially so if, you, if sit, you have a family. If you're sitting on 30000 in the bank and you're saying, what do I do with it? Well, did you contribute your max to the HSA? Now you say, oh, I don't qualify for an HSA. Well, then, that, then too bad. You know, you, that's what are you going to do? You can't qualify. But what if you do qualify for an HSA? I'd rather you invest in that because that's going to be tax free. You get the tax write off, sure. any gains are tax free. And when you take it out, it's tax free. I mean, come on. So, Think a little bit. And, and the last one I want to mention, and perhaps this is this is utterly important, is that um, you're better off 
paying down debts sometimes than investing. So if you have a credit card- Use the money to pay down debt rather than investing it. If you're paying 15% interest on a credit card loan and you're sitting on cash and saying, well, how can I invest it? Why don't you pay off the credit card loan? You just made yourself 15%. That's a lot better than you can do in a year, right? Because the the interest on credit cards in a year, some of them are 20%. If you have that balance, it makes zero sense to invest the money elsewhere when you're carrying a balance. You're better off paying off that that debt and saving yourself the interest, which is the same as making the interest, if you ask me. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Those are great tips uh, that I never thought about. You know, look at it from another angle and make it work for you. I like that. Now, you said there was going to be a big takeaway or a big lesson. There is. So I want everyone listening to realize, okay, short-term investing, what do I do for the year? You know, what do, where do I go? Should I go to this online bank? Should I go with a CD? Should I, you know, think of it this way, though. Let's say you had $50,000, which is a lot more than most people have for short-term investing. But let's say you did. And you're looking at, should I go over here or go over there? And I can, if I take my money over here, I can make an extra 1%, okay? If I lock it up for this two-year period, I can get an extra 1%. 1% on, on $50,000 is $500. Is it worth the effort? Is it worth losing the peace of mind? Is it worth locking it up for something for $500? Now, I'm a cheap guy. I'm a big proponent of you know being efficient. So I, I say $500 is $500, take it. But if you run the risk of of lowering your liquidity to get that extra five hundred, you can blow through that five hundred gain real quick in a, an emergency situation. You know, getting an extra week or two to shop around for that new air conditioning unit, or having the money in your pocket to pay for that car breaking down instead of having to put it on a credit card and then not paying it off. Those things can really add up. So when you're talking about shuffling money around in the short term, really with interest rates so darn low, is it really worth all the extra effort? And is it worth doing something when you're eliminating the peace of mind, which is totally undervalued in this country? The peace of mind knowing that you have the money there on the ready, I think is well worth the 1% that you might be able to squeeze by if you're really astute. Well, and you know I am. I'm astute. You call me astute all the time. So I know I'm astute. Um, that's a bad joke. Uh, <laughs> I had to come up with something, Dan. I thought uh, it was stooge. I think that you're missing the j in there. Stooge. <laughs> yeah, stooge. Oh, I get it. I see what you did there. Well, hey, Dan, great show today, and we're out of time. Why don't you let our listeners know one more time how to get a hold of you? Yeah, sure. If you're interested, I mean, you should be subscribed to this podcast if you aren't already. That's easy to do, iTunes and Google Play. But give me a call. And if you have a question about investing in the short term or if you want to get a second opinion, I'd be more than happy to do so. The number here is 888-508-5935, or just go to dolphinfinancialgroup.com. Thanks for a good show, Tony. And You know, um, I think what you should consider doing with your short term money is investing in a pizza buffet because, you know, you use it all the day and it's about as liquid as you're going to get. Yeah. Good point. (laughs) Good point. Well, thanks, Dan. And listeners, that does it for today's episode of Dolphin Financial Radio with our amazing host, Dan Wendell. Thank you for listening to Dolphin Financial Radio. Don't try to retire without a solid income plan. For more information, please contact Dan Wendell at Dolphin Financial Group. Call 888 508 
or visit the website at DolphinFinancialGroup.com. Dan Mundell or Dolphin Financial Group are not affiliated or endorsed by Social Security or any government agency. Everything discussed on today's show was for informational purpose only. Since everyone's situation is different, some things may not apply to you. The materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources. We cannot be 100% certain that they are accurate. You should really talk to my dad or someone from Dolphin Financial Group before trying to implement these ideas or strategies.